0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Many of you are familiar, no doubt, with what is sometimes called the desert tradition. Uh, it's that period of the Church's history, the third to fourth century, as people began to leave some of the cities and move into the desert. Uh, especially the desert in Egypt, um, in search of silence, in in search of space, in in search of God, uh, in search of themselves in some cases. And so there developed little communities of people who were sort of prototypes of monastic settlements. And sometimes people were alone as solitaries, and sometimes they were in groups as communities. But out of this era, there are sayings, and they're compiled as sayings of the desert mothers and fathers. Uh, they can be um, enjoyable reading sometimes. They almost sound a little bit like a Buddhist koans. Um, sometimes they, they go straight to a deep truth. Other times they seem um, irreverent or, or strange. Um, but often they're entertaining. One of my favorites is about um, a desert father known as Abba, the sign of respect, Abba Moses. Abba Moses was one of the most revered in the desert, and people went to him, sought him out for advice, for input, and so a particular brother living in community had been accused of something. We're not sure what from the story, but accused of something, and, and his community wanted to, to give him justice. And so they asked Abba Moses to come and decide the matter for them, to come and preside over this trial of sorts. Um, They asked Abba Moses, and he ignored them. So they asked again, and they said, Please, Abba Moses, come and, and rule over this problem. This guy is guilty, and we need you to say so. Again, Abba Moses ignored them. Finally, they came and got him and said, "'We, we really insist you've got to come "'and, and intercede in this matter and, and, and pronounce judgment.'" And so Abba Moses said, "'Okay, give me a little while and I'll, I'll be there.'" So after a while, they see him coming to this village and they notice something on his back. And when he gets there, he already has their curiosity up and they say, "'Abba Moses, what, what is that on your back?' And he shows them it is a jug of water, a great big jug strapped to his back. But there's a hole in the bottom, and it's been dripping water the whole way. And they say, Abba Moses, what is this? Who put a jug of water on your back? What is this about? He looks around and makes sure he gets everybody's attention. And he he says simply, my sins pour out behind me everywhere I go, and yet you ask me to pronounce judgment? It's a wonderful story. Um, asking who of us can pronounce judgment on another. Um, don't we all relate at some level to Abba Moses, whether it's a jug of water or or a backpack full of regrets or resentments or, or something on our back that weighs us down on occasion, something we perhaps would love to get rid of. The French philosopher, writes, uh, Simon Weil, writes that when we say, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, in the Lord's Prayer, she suggests we're asking God to wipe out all the evil that's in us. But in a commentary on the Lord's Prayer, she goes on to say, God doesn't have the power to forgive the evil that is in us while it still remains in us. She writes, God will have forgiven our debts when he has brought us to the state of perfection. Until then, God forgives our debts partially, in the same measure as we forgive our debtors. Mm -hmm. Simone Weil doesn't represent orthodox teaching in Christianity or Judaism, um, but her words give me hope. They spring out of the scriptures where we talked about just last week. Whatever we hold on to on this earth stays here in some regard. Whatever we can loose or unbind is freed up for this world and the next. Simone Weil is suggesting that when we're holding on to things, whether it's something that uh, we'd like to forgive someone for or something that we don't feel forgiven of, that thing gets in the way. The scriptures today continue this theme of forgiveness. Uh, But today's scriptures involve another aspect, uh, almost a tangible aspect of sin, And that is the weight of sin. Like Abba Moses walking in the desert with a jug of water on his back that he could feel. Sometimes sin or regret or resentment weighs on us like that. It can be heavy stuff. Sometimes it's so heavy we can't even move forward. Last week we remembered uh, The Merchant of Venice, Shakespeare's Shylock, who demanded a pound of flesh for the forgiveness of debt. And as primitive and gruesome as that idea is, we have to give it to Shylock that at least he understood that debt can weigh something, it can be heavy. But even Shylock, over time, realized that whatever measurement he might put to the debt, whether a pound or or 50 pounds, it can't easily be weighed, it can't easily be quantified. A pound of anything doesn't really amount to anything. And many more debts might more appropriately be measured in tons. As, as Christians, we're called to be on the side of lightening the load, of lifting the weight, ours and other people's. The really good news, the unbelievably good news, perhaps is that ultimately this is not our work to do. Instead, it's the joyful, everyday loving work of Jesus Christ. That's what he does. That's who he is. He takes on burdens. He lifts them and carries them for us. The sermon today is not a simple one around forgiveness. I'm extremely mindful. We're in the week after 9-11, and even in a year when uh, hurricanes and an earthquake overshadow our own remembrance here, we do remember, and often at some deep level. I'm not suggesting that the Scriptures ever call us to necessarily an easy or a quick forgiveness of heinous crime or sin, But they are moving us in that direction. And they are reminding us that forgiveness belongs to God. And we can pray to be a part of God's work of forgiveness in God's good time. The scriptures are calling us to notice the weight. To notice the weight of sin or resentment as it increases the longer we carry it. It just does. And the scriptures also, and I think especially, remind us to notice whenever and wherever that weight is lifted and to give thanks. Our first reading from Genesis is one of my favorites. It's the culmination of a long story, and you can read the details of the story another time But this long story is about a family. Um, If you remember anything about Joseph, Joseph was the favored son. His father made things worse by even saying that out loud. And so his brothers got tired of hearing it. And so it was the brothers of Joseph who, who dug a pit out on the road and put their brother Joseph in it and then got the big idea to sell Joseph into slavery. And so it's that same Joseph, Joseph of the fancy coat that his mother made, and Joseph of the pit, Joseph sold into slavery, who then becomes a servant in the house of of Pharaoh. But he rises in the ranks because of his ability to tell dreams and interpret them. And so Joseph ends up being Pharaoh's right-hand man, and that comes in handy when it's a time of famine. Joseph is good at organizing and apportioning, and so the people are saved from the famine. One day his brothers show up, these same brothers who had sold Joseph into slavery, who had pretty much written him off as dead. These brothers show up to ask for food. You can imagine the thoughts that must have gone through Joseph's head. The brothers didn't recognize him. Here he is, this this mighty, powerful person in Pharaoh's house. And the brothers now are begging him. I love the humanity of Joseph. He doesn't let them off the hook immediately. He doesn't grant them food. He doesn't forgive them immediately. He kind of plays with them a little bit. He suggests to them that perhaps there's another member of the family they're not telling him about because he remembers there's a younger brother and the brothers say, "Yes, there is." How did you know that? And then Joseph says, "Well, I know dreams. I know things." Now, tell you what, so that I can believe you and know you're honest, go and get that brother and bring him back. And so the older brothers are terrified that now the father's already lost his favorite son. Now they're going to take the other son from him. Anyway, the drama continues. The brothers show up, and we get today's reading, where Joseph finally is exhausted by the weight that he's been carrying. He was justified in whatever weight he was carrying, in his anger, in his resentment, in his fury. Joseph, in human terms, had no reason at all to forgive his brothers. And yet the weight was slowing him down. He couldn't move further. And so he reveals himself to his brothers. He forgives them. Joseph breaks down into tears The brothers break down into tears. There is forgiveness. Chapter 45, Joseph says, or we're told of Joseph, he could not control himself before all who stood by him, and he cried. He cried and cried. He cries as he forgives. He cries as they forgive each other. Joseph has forgiven. The weight is gone. There's no reason to pick it up again. The gospel continues this conversation about forgiveness. We've heard about it uh, the past few Sundays. This Sunday, Peter asks Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? Peter's thinking like most of us. I've given someone a couple of chances. I can call it quits at some point, right? I can just write the person off. Jesus answers differently, doesn't he? Peter says, should I forgive them as many as seven times? Thinking Peter will be rewarded for being really generous and big-hearted. Jesus says, no, not seventy, not seven times, but 77 times. Seventy times seven. More than you can count. More than you can imagine. Jesus then tells a story about a person whose debt is forgiven, and yet no sooner is that person's debt forgiven than the person forgets entirely and sees someone who owes him and demands repayment immediately. The point of the story is not so much about the fickle forgetfulness of people. The point has to do with the source of forgiveness. In that story, it's, it's the king who forgives, in our story of faith, it's God who forgives. God forgives. We receive that forgiveness, that lightness, that removal of all that's heavy, that's binding, that's weighing us down. And so it's for us to help lighten the loads of others. Sometimes we do this by forgiving, by, in last week's gospel language, by loosening or unbinding But sometimes we just begin the work of forgiveness, I think, by handing it over to God, by confessing that we can't forgive ourselves. We don't have the strength, we don't have the wisdom, but God can. And so we pray for the person against whom we have a problem, and we pray that God would take care of them. Those of you who remember the older form of worship in our prayer book, right One, from the Elizabethan-sounding service, will remember the little heading that would appear in church bulletins called the Comfortable Words. There would be a prayer of confession, there's an absolution, and the priest would say the words from Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. The refreshment of God is offered. Every week, every day, every time we come to God. Other versions of that scripture say, Come to me, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. Come to me, all you who are overburdened. Come to me, all you that labor. Come to me, all who are tired from carrying heavy loads. In this verse, I love Eugene Peterson's more modern translation of the Bible. It's called simply the message. And Peterson puts it even more bluntly as Jesus says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Come away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. I love those words. Those are indeed comfortable words. Comfortable words of refreshment this day and always. May we know and hear the forgiveness of God so that even in this life we might begin to be made holy, lighter, forgiven, and freed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.